So what I want to do this session is actually talk about how do we get people from living plotless lives? How do we get Christians? And so we're in the context of men here, but how do we get, uh, just say Christians in general, from living plotless lives? And go to church, surrender my heart to Jesus, but then after that, what? It's amazing because some research happened some years back, almost 20, 25 years ago, and uh, researchers begin to discover that this one particular show had people mesmerized. Had them mesmerized, it was just high on the ratings, and the viewings were high, and uh, they were just mesmerized. So they actually said, hey, look, what do we need to do? We need to do some research in regards to, man, why is this show so successful? Well, this show in particular was one, as they begin to do research, they've been doing some, 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 some statistics and analytics and just watching the whole dynamic. They begin to discover uh, that this show was actually, was actually, um, it just meandered from one episode to another episode. And so what happened, people really enjoyed it because it was identifying and registering with the lifestyles in which they were actually living. And so they can kind of identify. They said, that's that's kind of my life, and that's my cousin's life. That's my brother or my, my mom and dad's life. That's a lot of people's lives. I see it. Well, they finally come to conclusion, and you probably know the name of this actual episode and this, this um, TV show. It was Seinfeld. Amen. So Seinfeld was this show, and Seinfeld just meandered from one episode to the next. Uh, no plot. Just, just kind of just happens. It just, just, just roll on to the next thing. And so here it is. Though that's a show... In Hollywood, that has been over for some time now, is still the plight and predicament of many believers in the life of the church today. They just meander from one day to the next, not asking God, what do you have uh, for me today? How can I follow you in a deeper passion today? How can I give over um, the, the, the things that are vice in me today? Um, I view you as beautiful and not just useful, as the late Tim Keller would say. I want my life to matter. I want my life to bring you glory. I want my life to actually, when I'm done, there's a legacy. And here it is, men. When you talk about legacy, it's not about having a good will, though you need one. It's not about even having a great retirement. A legacy is this. Biblically speaking, if we stay close to Jesus, we live a life of legacy, we will naturally leave one. When you live it, you will actually leave it. Because people are watching so plotlessness is, is rampant. It's all over the place. And here's what the apostle Paul didn't want the church in Colossae to actually begin to uh, fall prey to. He wanted them to actually know that God has something for you. And I want to encourage you and let you know that God has something for you. With your name on it, uh, it's specific for you. And some of you guys, you're serving in churches, you're a leader, you're in leadership, whether pastors, whether lay leadership. Um, you're, you're in maybe your field of work where you're at on the, in the public square, you, you have a ministry. And by the way, it's not if you're called to ministry, it's just, it's just where, if you're a believer, it's not a, a ministry. Oh, I'm not in full-time ministry. I'm not on full vocational ministry. That's not, that's so let God calls some people to that, but every single believer Christian, they have a ministry. And we'll talk about that later today. So, but maybe. Some of you in the room, you're going, I don't, I don't really don't know what, what I'm supposed to do. So here it is, the, the big idea. If you have your Bible, turn to Colossians chapter 2, 6 and 7. Very simple, two passages. Just going to walk through the text this morning. Nothing profound. Just want us to see some very cool principles 
And some things that I believe the Apostle Paul wanted uh, the church in Colossae uh, to understand so that they would not live plotless lives. They would not live lives of just meaningless, but they would live dunamis lives, dynamite lives, but not just dynamite lives. Uh, the Greek word dunamis, dynamite, but azusia is another Greek word for uh, power, and it's the, the authority and the right to use the power. It's the authority and the right to use the dunamis. And Paul says, I don't want you to just to take what happened at Calvary just as just some great Bible story. I, I don't want you guys to actually just uh, uh, hear the good news, attend church, and just look at the gospel as a great bedtime story. No, 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 no. It's real reality. Everybody say real reality. So much so, they, I'm going to read the passage, 6 and 7, then I'll unpack the context, and we'll pull out three principles and we'll land the plane. Y'all good with that? The Bible says this. I'm reading from the ESV. I know um, you guys read from a different translation. Amen. If you're reading from the NIV, I would pray for you. Amen. Uh, as my buddy, as my buddy Duran Gray would say, it's nearly inspired. Amen. <laughs> nearly inspired version. So here it is, verse 6, chapter 2 of Colossians. Therefore, hmm. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. What an interesting passage. Well, if you know anything about grammar and biblical exegesis and just expository preaching, I want you to circle the word therefore in the start of verse 6. Because therefore is therefore reason, so we must discover what is actually therefore. It's a basic hermeneutical principle. In essence, what I'm saying is this. Paul nestles this, these two verses here in light of the previous context. In other words, he's saying there's some Gnostics and some, some mysticism and some secretism going on on the outside of the church. And all that means is this, that these groups are saying that you need X, Y, and Z, and that Jesus is not enough. So he's driving home biblical identity. He's driving home this reality in Jesus so that they don't live plotless lives. So he's saying these haters, and now what's happening is beginning to penetrate the church. It's amazing as you look at Colossae in this context, it's not much different from our context today. Our context today, people say, well, um, you know, follow your heart. Let me know how that goes. God's divine word said the heart is deceitfully wicked. Now, now this is the word. I'm not, not Marcus just telling you this. If you follow your heart, uh, good luck. What about this one? Look within your own self and find meaning. Oprah, Oprah Winfrey theology. What about that one? That's a rampant one now. What about this one after it was kind of percolating and peeking his head before 2020. But what about this one? Um, I don't need the church. I can just view the church online. I don't need to be a part of a, a local body and, and be seen and be sharpened and forfeit one of God's key elements and, and, and ways in which one can grow spiritually, the local body. That's the culture. The culture is barking these things. And what about this? You can have Jesus, but I can also, I can kind of just have just do Jesus on Sunday and Monday I could turn around and be the same old person. So Paul was confronting and refuting this erroneous thought. And so for the sake of urban language, I want to call these people the Gnostics on the outside. I want to call them haters. Amen. 
They were haters. They just hate. I don't know about you. I've been in, I'm 46 and I've had a lot of people hate on me. Uh, y'all know if, you, if you're successful in any manner, uh, if you play sports, you've been, you're good at that, somebody's going to hate you. Don't you know that somebody's always going to want to pull you down? It may be within your own family. I mean, which, which is crazy. This shouldn't be the case, but, but you're always going to have a hater somewhere. So these haters, they didn't want to see this young church grow to be all that God called them to be. And so, in essence, they were adding to, they were adding to the gospel. I'll try to go on a diet not too long ago before, and I'll do the New Year's resolution stuff because that stuff be over. It'd be over like by the end of January, I'd be done. I'm not going, I'm not going, do you know you lie to yourself more than anybody else? <laughs> Put that in your theological pipe and smoke it, Amen. <laughs> You lie to yourself. So I went on, a, I went on an all-fruit diet. Amen. All-fruit diet. All-fruit diet. I was ready, man. I said, man, I looked at my wife. She's, a, she, I mean, she's really cool, man. Mandy, I should have had a picture. I maybe have one for the next session. But, but she, was, um, she did triathlons in Chicago. Uh, she's a Golden Glove boxer, my wife. Yeah, she'll catch you slipping. And you'd be like, man, man. You'd be balled up in a fetal position. Amen. She'll catch you slipping. Bing! Catch you right here. You'd be like, you know. Uh, so, but, so triathlons, she was a golden glove boxer. She played women's football, not flag, pads, Chicago Force, women league. So she's very healthy. She's taught classes, spin classes, just a whole gamut. So I said, babe, I'm going to go on an all fruit diet. She's okay. I'm going to support you in this. Amen. And so, you know, I'm doing it. I'm, I'm trugging along. I'm doing good. Can y'all see me, man? I'm doing the fruit. I'm doing the fruit. And then about a week and a half goes by. Gentlemen, check this out. Check this out. Stay with me here. I begin to gain weight. But I thought these were good natural sugars for my body. And so here it is. I start gaining weight. And, and I begin to discover. She looks at me and she goes, well, babe, you, you've done this thing all wrong. You see, what you're doing is you're eating apple pie. <laughs> Cherry cheesecake. Lemon meringue, what? What, banana, what? My nemesis. Pudding. So what happened was the nutritional value of the fruit had been compromised once things began to be added to it. The nutritional value. And here's what Paul is saying. Young church in Colossae, stay with me. Don't lose me this morning. Wake up, wake up. But the gospel doesn't need anything added to it. The nutritional value, the theological value, let's use the word theological value, the, the theological principles and, and dunamis and power doesn't need anything added to it. It's good all by itself. Why? Because it resonates from the being and the character of an intrinsic, eternal, holy God. So Paul says, I want y'all to know this. So therefore, he deals with Christology. If you are a Bible student in the room, you know that Christology is probably the biggest heading within or the main point of Colossians. Again, they were trying to bring Jesus down. And Paul is saying, no, I want to elevate Jesus. Don't you know that it's all about Jesus? That the name, at the name of Jesus, the Bible declares that in, in heaven, every knee, every, here's the deal, the name of Jesus, there's only be one name that matters in, in heaven. So here's what I want us to do real quick. I didn't have this in my notes. I don't have any notes actually, but... Um, I want everybody on the count of three, I'm not going to remember this, but on the count of three, just say your name out loud, right? Loud. Need participation, fellas, okay? Don't sit there and be like this. Be mute. Don't do that. 
All right, I'm going to do it again. Amen. So on the count of three, say your name really loud. One, two, three. Keith. Dang, that was crazy, right? I heard Keith. Keith, Keith was representing. All I heard was Keith. The rest of it was like static. Amen. You know what I mean? So, but Keith. Now on the count of three, all of, I want all of us to say Jesus nice and loud. One, two, three. Jesus. Ooh, different, isn't it? Paul said, don't live plotless lives. Don't allow the haters to add to the gospel what you already know. And we'll deal with that in six and seven. But it's all about Christology. I really believe in the church today. And there's many pastors in here. You may disagree, but I believe in the church today at large. And not just an American church, but around the world to some degree. And by the way, the church is actually booming in certain areas. Africa, China, different regions. They're sending missionaries here now. I mean, they've been doing that for years. But missionaries are literally coming into America. But I think one of the things that's ailing the church to get us back right, to get us back to our biblical purpose and function is prayerlessness, Christology, that's the doctrine, the work and the personhood and everything that Jesus came to do. He's God in flesh, 100% God, 100% man, the hypostatic union, this Christology, but also discipleship. Because if you know who Jesus is, then you will know who you are. I'm going to say it again. Very simple. I'm not talking about religion. I'm not talking about church. I'm not talking about going to Bible studies. I'm talking about having a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. If you know who Jesus is and what he came to do, you will know then therefore who you are. How you see yourself will determine how you view yourself and how you live. If you see yourself in light of how Jesus sees you and how the Bible declares you to be and who to be, who you are in Christ, then... Uh, guess what? You'll function in that manner. But if you see yourself based on, um, based on your job, based on the things you have, you will function in that manner. So here it is. Paul said, therefore, re remember everything that I just said in the previous contexts. Rem remember the context. Remember this. I'm just going to go back. You don't have to read with me. But he says in chapter 2 and verse 1, for I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you. Now, mind you, the context. Great struggle I have for you. I don't want you to get caught up. And for those at Laodicea. And for all who have not seen me face to face, he goes on to say that their hearts may be encouraged being knit together in love. It's amazing when disorder comes, uh, when doubt enters, people respond to doubt differently. So he's saying, let love be the peace that binds you together. Let theology be the peace that binds you together. Being knit together in love. To reach all the riches of the fullness of assurance of understanding. That's what he's getting at. Y'all got to settle in your minds who you are in Christ. And the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ. Gnostics were saying you need all these extra, ex, uh, you know, just outside experiences to really get to this real holy moment. But he said, no, really the mystery is it's in Christ. In whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I say this, look at verse four. I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. Arguments that actually sound actually enticing. With plausible arguments, for, for though I am absent in the body, yet I'm with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith. Check this out. He said the firmness of your faith in Christ. So here it is, our text. Therefore, Paul said, I want you to remember. I want you to remember your Genesis experience. I want you to remember what happened. I want you to remember, as I talked about last night, giving my life to Jesus in 1990, remember Remember the Genesis experience. Remember when you first heard the, you first heard the gospel. Remember, remember what that was like. 
And the danger of us and many of us in the churches, myself included, is we can get very familiar with the gospel. And we can be around the gospel a long time. J.D. Greer said this, be careful of not just of being around the gospel and the gospel not being in you. In essence, in saying we can be around something, but just because we're around it doesn't mean that it's actually impacting our lives. So Paul says, I want you to remember your Genesis experience. Remember when you gave your life to Jesus. Remember. Remember what? He says, remember as you receive. Well, receive what? I love this word receive in your Bible. He says, you received Christ Jesus the Lord. And that word receive is very interesting. It's, I wonder why Paul, and when, I, when I study, I ask questions. And when you study the Bible, you ought to ask questions. And by the way, it's okay to ask questions. The Lord is big enough to answer your questions. He's big enough to handle your questions. The Bible uh, is the best interpreter of its own self. The Bible is the best commentary on its own self. It's infallible. It's uh, without error. Uh, it is incapable of being wrong. It's inspired by God. This is, this is God's word. So here it is. Therefore, as you receive, why would you use this word receive? It's a compound word, paralambano. It's amazing that Paul would use such a word in this context in Colossae, challenging these Christians not to live plotless lives and not to add anything to the gospel. You have everything you need in Jesus to be all that God has called you to be. See yourself as Jesus sees yourself. Um, live in light of what the gospel has made available to you, that Jesus just didn't die to forgive you of your sins. He also died, check this out, this is Galatians 2 and 20. He actually died, he actually died as well to exchange his life with your life. So that means we have men. We need to tap into some real power. We, we need to really begin to tap into power. The room, the guys in this room can flip this city upside down. I thoroughly believe it. I've seen it in some fashion. And, and here it is. The Bible says you para lambano, Jesus. Uh, the first prefix is para means to bring to one side or make it your own. So I had this, this football. I love this, man. Hey, man, I play a little football. You know, you can't tell from, from my body. Amen. But it is what it is. Uh, para prefix, para, bring to yourself. It actually becomes a part of your anatomy. Make it a part of uh, your person. Uh, the, the suffix is lumbano, which means to receive. So Paul says, para lumbano. Para to yourself, receive. <laughs> Stay with me. Who can throw a football? Anybody? Oh, you did? Okay, now you, you raise your hand fast. All right, ready? Don't be throwing it over here. There's a lot of technology in here. Amen. I'm not paying a bill. I'm going to flight. I'm going to flight. I'm out of here. Amen. Right? So you tell this football costs probably about 10 grand. You know what I mean? So here it is. Paul says the haters are on the outside. They're asking and telling you outside infiltrating the church. Paul refuting it. Uh, remember your Genesis experience. Remember that the gospel didn't need anything added to it. Remember your Genesis experience. Remember the power of Lombano. Go ahead and throw the ball to me, my man. Bow, a little wobbly, but it's all good. Hey, man. <laughs> Got to come tight with them spirals, baby. Got to be whistling at me. You know what I mean? So I play a lot of football. Thank you, sir. I play a lot of football, and I play defensive back. DB, I was on the right side, man, for almost 10, 12 years. d up, man, bop, 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 jamming those receivers, pulling guards coming, get underneath them cats, get to the tail back, boom, boom, take them legs out. Love it. To this day, my back, my knees, everything jacked up. <laughs> it hurts. 
But but I remember all these years, bow, bow, just jamming, bow. And so the receiver, he'll do a little eh, eh, eh on me and then get around me. And then he'll get to the open flats and that quarterback will drop back, bow, 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 but a do-do-do, sakakow. And that ball will land in that soft zone, boom, he'll catch it. And I, hey, by the way, I got burnt many days. I got burnt many days. But I never guarded a receiver, I'm telling y'all. Never was guarding a receiver and the receiver caught the ball, boom, and then ran down the field like this. Now, maybe you get to the five-yard line, do a Deion Sanders type deal. You start showboating and crap, right, all that stuff. But I never, I never saw, I mean, stay with me. This is tied to our text. I never, I never saw a receiver run down the ball like this. Why is this important? Because even in Pop Warner football, when I was a little kid, they taught you the basics and the fundamentals. When you catch the ball, you automatically do this. Boom, bang. Boom, bang. Plock it in, plow. Woo, 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 woo. You bring it in. Here's what Paul is saying. I don't want you to fumble your faith. And this is what the enemy is after, John 10, 10. He comes to kill, steal, and what? Oh, he wants you to fumble. So you better rest assured after this, this great holy meeting and moment, he's, he's going to be coming after that thing. You heard about biblical identity? No, you're still the same. Shame. You want to conquer this stuff? Yeah, no, no, no. You, you, no. I want to leave my wife. Get back in that deal and it's like, oh, no, you're a coward. The culture is going to tell you whatever the culture is telling us, attacking masculinity. But here it is. Paul, he uses this term is very important, guys. Stay with me. He uses this term specifically. He said, hold tight to Jesus. Don't keep Jesus far off. Here are some signs when you're keeping Jesus far off. Potentially, I don't have a long list, but you see, here's the deal. Loose, loose theology leads to loose living. Dirty Bibles lead to dirty lives or dusty Bibles will lead to a dirty life. So here's some signs that you could. I, I can come to church on Sunday. But I don't have to necessarily pick up my Bible for the rest of the week. I can just wait till the next Sunday. That's that's holding you. That's holding Jesus far off. I don't need to pray about anything. I just kind of do what I want to do and stamp Jesus name on it. And hopefully he approves it. That's keeping the Bible, that's keeping Jesus far off. I can still dabble with some things that I'm dabbling with and expect Jesus to bless me. He, he, he wants to bless you, but there's some stuff you got to get right. And so that's holding Jesus far off. I, I love my fire insurance of going to heaven. Thank you that I'm not going to burn in a Christless presence place, but I'm going to be spending eternity with you. I'm thankful for salvation. Thank you. My Genesis experience, but, but I still want to rep me. Paul saying, be very careful because there's a lot of space in between this. He says, therefore, just as you receive, you didn't receive anybody. Look at the language he uses. He says, Christ Jesus, the Lord, the one who was prophesied in the Old Testament, Christ, in whom the prophets didn't know. As Paul, Peter would say in 1 Peter, who the, who the spirit will land upon, this individual, things in which angels long to see. He was prophesied about this, this one to come that was promised really in Abraham. 
He's saying, therefore, you received Christ. You received the anointed one. But not only did you receive Christ, you received Jesus. The only one that was able, the only one that is sinless and be the substitution for your, for your sin. He says, not only that, but the Lord, you received the boss. Look at this. So therefore, as you receive power Lombano, the one who was prophesied about in the Old Testament, the one who's the only one able to forgive us of our sins, and he's the boss, by the way. He spoke everything into existence. He says, so walk in him. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to walk in him. Here's the resolve. I think leaving this place here today, um, we got to have resolve. Resolve is just saying, man, I'm parking my car. In the sense of theologically, this is what I'm landing on. I, I'm, I'm not, I'm, by your grace, God, I, wanna, I really want to live the life you want me to live in humility. Not forcing it, not trying to live it in your own self, and your own strength and power. But saying, God, man, I really want, I really want to live this thing. And by your grace and by your dunamis power and your provision, man, you working in my life, may this really happen. Paul says, the resolve is, here it is, so walk in him. Isn't it amazing that he used the word power lumbano? Then he says to walk in him. Notice the location of the believer. It's in, I in, a simple preposition that we, we, would, we read over in the English Bible or in language and we just kind of flippantly, he's saying, no, you're specifically in the middle of the triune God. So he says, so walk in him. I love this because airports are interesting. Um, what's those things called when you, you kind of, Atlanta has a lot of them, but you, you, you get on a little walker deal and you kind of, it moves you. What's that thing called? Walking sidewalk? Moving sidewalk, okay. Somebody said conveyor belt over there? I'm probably not going to go with that one, amen. You probably got F's in school, amen. So, but we're going to go with walking, walking sidewalk, moving sidewalk. That sounds better, amen. So, moving sidewalk. So, one day I'm in Atlanta, man. I'm, I'm in Atlanta. I'm getting ready to get on an airplane, and you got to get to one side. It's a big old airport. So, you get boom, 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 moving. And so, doing the suit, he, he eyeballs me, looked at me, and I had my bag, had a little carry-on, my backpack, doing my do. He had his little deal. You tell he's doing a business trip. And so we looked at each other. I could tell it was like a, it was just a wild, wild west vibe. It was like, okay, let's see what's going to pop off right here, right? So he chose to get on the moving sidewalk. I chose to actually walk just on the carpet and then hopefully beat him. I said, I'm going to beat him. I play football. I know my knees jacked up. I'm going to beat this cat. He'll know he messing with. So we started. Boom. I'm walking. And I look. Bro, man, is like gaining ground on me, right? He's up there. Now I'm like intro to jogging. You feel me? I'm like kind of doing this deal here, right? Trying to move fast. He's going faster and he's moving. He's moving. Here's the deal. I thought to myself when we got to the end, he looked at me and then he was just kind of like, huh. I said, boy, I don't have no fight up in this airport now. You know what I mean? So but here it is. The resolve was I resolved to choose to take this route. He chose to take that route. That route is a picture of the Holy Spirit. This route is a picture of when we trust in the Lord and we submit and surrender to the Holy Spirit's work in our lives. Men, hear, hear me say this. The Spirit can take you farther than you can ever go in your own power and, and will and flesh. So I chose, my resolve was to do this. Had I chose this, I'd probably be making more ground. I wonder today, the issue is that we're not surrendering to the Spirit of God to do the work in us, but we're trying to do the work in and of our own selves. We're trying to live the Christian life instead of letting Jesus live the life through us. I wonder. Paul is saying, 
So walk in him. Walking determines a destination. Um, progress. Walking entails repentance. So walk in him. If I'm walking in Jesus, that means I need to repent daily. One great theologian said this, repentance is not a place that we ought to visit. Repentance is a place that we ought to live. So, so repentance, we ought to, so walking entails, if I'm really walking with Jesus, I need to repent daily. And some of us this morning, you need to repent. So walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught and abounded in thanksgiving. So he says, here it is. So walk in him, walk in him, walk in him, walk in him. He says, the result will be this. Rooted, built up, in him, and established in the faith. Just real simple. Paul is being very strategic here, and I love it because I'm in a farm country here a little bit, but Paul says rooted, agricultural, and then he uses architectural language, built up, and then he uses legal, or legal terms, established. It's amazing, like Paul, why would you, I mean, it's just, it fascinates my mind. Rooted in a sense of, man, what, what, how are you firmly, how are you positioned, men? Are you like a spiritual tumbleweed tossed to and fro by the cares of this world and everything that comes at you? Are you, but are you rooted in Jesus? Built up. Well, what, built up on what? Well, the whole idea is built up on a foundation that has already been laid. The foundation is Jesus. Hence, Therefore, Christology, you've received him. Now allow this building to take place on this foundation. Walk in him. He'll take you places you've never been before. Then he says established. I love this one. Why? Because it's like it's final. It's, it's, it's like being in a courtroom and, and the judge just says, it's case over. Boom. It's conclusion. There's enough evidence. This thing is over. This case is over. It's like when I was watching the Discovery Channel. I said about two years ago, and uh, I was in my little room. I have all girls, so I don't have like a man cave. I have a fam cave. It's a family cave. I mean, we have all girls. You don't have a man cave, right? So anyway, I'm in here watching Discovery Channel. And so man, the, 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 you know, the narrator's voice was intriguing, man. Like, so the possum, he's talking about the possum. I thought, man, this is unique. The possum, the possum, the possum. The possum is a very interesting animal. I'm like, yeah, no duh, bro. I'm sitting there watching. I want you tell me more. Amen. So here it is. The possum. The possum, uh, he, he never uh, stay in a den. Uh, he never builds his own dens. Uh, so he loves to smooch or, or, or piggyback on other animals. So in other words, the possum, if he sees a den and he sees footprints, no footprints coming out, that means whatever went in the den is what? Still there. I was like, man, this is great. Popcorn. I got my Doritos and stuff. I'm just like, popcorn flying everywhere. I'm like, this is intense. I'm tuned in. I'm getting lured in. You see, you see me in my den? The possum. And I said, man, you know what? I'm kind of like the possum when it comes to being my God. See, Allah can't be my God. You know why? Footprints going in, but no footprints coming out. Confucius can't be my God. You know why? Footprints going in, but no footprints coming out. Buddha can't be my God. You know why? Footprints going in, but there's no footprints coming out. 
But man, I'm here to tell you today, just as Paul said, being established, legal term, it's finished. Paul said, don't let the haters pour stuff on the gospel. It doesn't need anything by it. It's all good by itself. And the spirit will take you farther than you can go in and of your own self. I want you to realize that you've been rooted, you've been built up, and you are established in the faith. It's a done deal. And here's what I want you to know. Church, right here in Colossae and right here in Iowa, I want you to know this, that there's a man who went in the tomb but he also came out of the tomb. Footprints going in, but also footprints coming out. Footprints going in, he received death. Footprints coming out, he conquered death. Footprints going in, he was the lamb of God. But footprints coming out, he's the, the lion of the tribe of Judah. Footprints going in, he, he, was, he received misery. But footprints coming out, straight up majesty. Footprints going in, this established term, stay with me here, biblical identity. Footprints going in, crown of thorns. Footprints coming out, thrones. Y'all see this? Paul is saying, don't, don't get it twisted. You didn't receive Paul Lombardo, just anybody. Brothers, I want y'all to know, you didn't receive just anybody. Tap in. Tap in. You can toss it back. I'm going to throw it to a couple guys. Tap in. Tap in. Tap in. Power line vinyl. Nice spiral. Tap in. Tap in. Tap in. Power line vinyl. Oh, snap. Yeah, I'm going to keep it right here in the front row. Amen. So, Christian, tap in, man. Tap in. What are we worried about? Woo! Why are we afraid? Why are we hiding from the culture? Paul's saying footprints going in, but you better rest assured there's footprints coming out. It's a done deal. And here it is. I love movies with a good twist, and I'm done on this. He says, just as you were taught, again, just go back to the basics. Abounding in Thanksgiving. I love a movie with a good twist. You know, I love movies when you don't see a, you don't see this twist coming. Like, you know, I mentioned last night being funny about Lifetime movies and stuff like that, but, but it's like the babysitter, she comes to the door, she's really nice. Y'all seen these, you know, kind of, maybe you're like, no. So she comes to the door, she's like, oh, here, yeah, I see you guys need a babysitter. And, you know, and uh, I saw it on the ad and I put my, you know, my application in, I'm here and my name is Mary and, you know, you know yeah, I'm nice. And then Mary gets a job. The family's like, great, great. Here, we're going we're gonna to entrust little Caroline to you. And, and here it is. Little Caroline is entrusted to Mary. But they don't know Mary is really major scary. Amen. <laughs> Mary is a deranged killer. But you don't see this. They don't start the movie off like that. So as you watch the movie, you begin to discover she started doing some, mis some mischievous things and some manipulation and she's trying try to make moves on the husband. Y'all all seen these ones. Come on now. Then stuff start missing, jewelry, and I mean, just weird stuff happening. Then out of nowhere, duh, Mary like trying to run off with the baby and then trying to kill the, the husband and the wife. Normally it's the wife, right? You never saw it coming. Here's what Paul is saying. This is what I love this. God is off the hook, even in the original language, Greek. I hope you get this. Our responsibility in this passage, thank you, Lord. Our responsibility in this passage, watch this. 
Therefore, as you've received Christ Jesus the Lord, this has already happened. A past event, punctilio tense, a past event with present results. A past, a past event, Calvary, your Genesis experience, but having present results. He says, so walk in him. That's in the active, indicative command. It's in the active voice. So that means that's what you and I are supposed to be doing. So walk in him. The Lord is not going to try to move a parked car. It's hard to try to move a parked car. Some of y'all are asking God to do stuff, but you're parked spiritually. Paul is saying, no, there's some action. As a matter of fact, so walk in him. In Colossians, this is the first command in the book up until this point. Paul said, now that you've power Lombano, not just anybody, but you've power Lombano, the king of kings, who spoke everything into existence. Footprints going in, but also footprints coming out. I want you to walk in him. That's your responsibility. The passive voice, rooted, built up, and established, that's what God's going to do. So what our responsibility is, we are to walk in him. Remember this guy over here? God is saying, based on all that I've done for you, you get on this spiritual moving sidewalk called the Holy Spirit. You surrender to him and let him take you places that you've never been before. Watch great things happen. And by the way, if you look at the word surrender, in the middle of it, there's the word end. You and I, you're never going to truly surrender if you don't come to the end of yourself. Jesus said this in Luke 9, 23. The Lord is going to root you. He's going to build you up. He's going to establish you. And actually it reads in this way in the original language. It reads, having been rooted, mm, having been built up, and having been established. Interesting. And then the active voice bookends. He says, we are to walk in him. And give thanks. Ooh. Walk in him and give thanks. Paul was saying, 1 Thessalonians 5, that for this is the will of God for you. That you give thanks in every circumstance. This is, you want to know God's will? That you give thanks to him for what he's done in your life. At the voice, walk. One book in. God's going to do the rest. Other book in, give thanks. And so here's what I want us to do. We have praise parties at Crossroads. Y'all say, man, yeah, you're a wild pastor. I am a wild pastor. I don't be walking on aisles. I don't be doing crazy stuff. Uh, I'm Baptist, amen. So, but, uh, but, but here it is. Here it is. Stay with me. Stay with me. We like to have praise parties spontaneously. Maybe at the beginning of a sermon, maybe at the, in the middle of a sermon, maybe at the conclusion. I don't always do it. Our teaching team, they sometimes, it's, it's part of our culture now. We desire to see people actually say, man, I, man, God, you are doing things. And forgive me when I don't see you doing things. Forgive me when I equate those things as my own willpower. Forgive me for not seeing your beauty. Forgive me for not trusting you. Forgive me for not seeing your provision. Lord, I see it. You are doing everything. The same God who spoke everything to existence is the same one who woke me up this morning. The same God who created the fish and didn't give him one swimming lesson, but told him to get in the water and do your thing. That's the same God that is in my life, that's speaking to me, that's walking with me, that's talking to me, that's keeping me, that's promised me things. 
beings, this is the same God. The same God who created the fowls of the air. The same God who screws the, uh, the stars in their fiery sockets by night and tells them to shine. The same God who tilts the sun at a certain degree and angle. And if we're a, a, a several inches closer or even removed, we're screwed up. I hope you know that. This same God who holds everything in his hands. This is the one who said, man, just walk in me. I'm going to do something. I actually already had done it in my son, Jesus. So therefore, give thanks. And so I want to encourage you right now. I'm going to have a cup of coffee and sit down and rest. But here it is. If God has done anything for you, man, on the count of three, I want you to let him know this. He's worthy, saints. He's good. He gives good its definition because he's intrinsically a good God. He's eternally a good God. He's a merciful, gracious, compassionate, forgiving. He's all these things. That's where it is. He's a God of justice. He's a God of holiness too and righteousness. But if he's done one thing for you, I know he's done one thing because you're still breathing right now sitting here. Some of your arms folded. Some of you really in a posture leaning forward wanting more. But if he's done one thing for you on the count of three, let's have a praise party. Because you power line bottled. One, two, three. Come on, church. Come on.